What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. The All Sooners Podcast, episode 161 on this Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, Thanksgiving Eve. Josh Calloway in Oklahoma City, Ryan Chapman in Moore, John Hoover in Tulsa. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Excited. <laughs> I got my last Monday, Tuesday in Norman, Oklahoma yesterday concluded. Amazing. So, uh, it's, Amazing. it's been 14 weeks of... Uh, 14 weeks of grind, boys, and uh, now we have one trip left. It is to Lubbock, Texas. we got to squeeze in Thanksgiving at some point, but yeah, we'll leave Saturday morning and uh, go watch us some football down on the high plains of West Texas. Yeah, I'm just excited that I'm in a much better spot today than I was 48, 72, any amount of hours ago. Yeah. So uh, happy to be back and not the dead weight on all Sooners anymore. Yeah, Ryan is healthy. How are you feel? Are you back to 100% or just close? Uh, today is the first day I felt really close to 100% because yesterday I was okay to like go to the press conference. I wasn't contagious. I could sit up for a couple of hours, do yeah. our, you know, Venables vibes, our press conference notebook. But there was still the fog of the Dayquil Nyquil on my brain. I didn't trust myself to string words together in a public setting, mm-hmm. any of that. Uh, today I'm feeling much better, much more uh, like myself. So it's good news. Good, good, very good. Yeah, we uh, happy to have you back, uh, back and healthy. And it definitely hasn't set in for me that we don't have the press conference and stuff next week. I feel like next Monday and Tuesday I'm going to just be just standing around my house at <laughs> eleven. Like I feel like I should be in Norman. Yeah, who you sold it short? Fourteen weeks. I mean that. You, you got all fall camp. I mean, we've been going to Norman multiple times a week since at least the first week of August, pretty much. So uh, it's going to be weird, actually, next week. It's going to be strange. Basketball doesn't play at home either. Like, we have no reason to go to Norman next week at all. Um, so it's going to be perplexing. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. My car is going to be bored when well, driving out of Norman. Let's hope we don't have to go to Norman. If there's a reason to go to Norman, it'll be police reports and courthouse documents and crap like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's very true, and uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, this squeaky clean season, for the most part, for Oklahoma uh, ran into some trouble this week, but we'll, we'll dive into that in a moment. Um, we'll start the show as we usually do. We'll dive into Bedlam final thoughts. Last week in this spot, that was my first chance about the West Virginia game because I didn't go to Morgantown. Now it's the it's Ryan's opportunity because he was sick, didn't go uh, to Bedlam. He had Ross there. So, Ryan, floor is yours. Give us your bedlam thoughts from from afar. Did you watch the whole game? Did you make it through the whole yes. game thickly? I did. There was the first couple of drives to the third quarter. I had to resort back to laying back down on the couch instead of sitting back up. <laughs> and then as we started counting, um, why is Dylan Gabriel snapping the ball with twenty seconds left on the game clock while it's running? I, I was back up and like, what is going on? And, and the confusion of the entire second half offensive experience is. Something Now, only this Bedlam game this year could deliver a game which was far below expectations coming into it with both teams being the what they were. And then even in what should have been a Bedlam blowout where one fan base could feel great about it, both fan bases left the stadium with a bad taste in their mouth. That's just football in the state of Oklahoma in 2022. Um, good for the defense to, to show up and, and perform like that, especially with the circumstances in the second half, just two weeks ago, we saw them have to stay on the field basically the entire second half 
and capitulate at the end, unable to get off the field for six and a half minutes uh, against that West Virginia offense. Different story, obviously, with uh, now Spencer Sanders was more than happy to give them the football four times and try to give it to him three or four other times. Uh, but other than that, I, I think that all of the offensive uh, saber rattling from the fan base this week has been warranted because I don't know what that game plan was in the second half. And I know that we'll get into it. Jeff Levy talked about it. Brent Venables talked about it. But for Brent Venables to not at any point step in on Saturday and say, guys, cut the crap start running clock, that's a mistake. I don't care if you're a first-year head coach or not. You've been around football for 30 years. It shouldn't take that happening once for you to realize that you need to get on the headset and tell everyone to cut the crap and start to choose some clock. Yeah, I completely agree, Ryan. Um, nearly cost them the game, okay? They won by two scores, right? But there's not anybody who was in that stadium or watching on TV who didn't think that that thing was coming down to the end simply because of the number of possessions that Oklahoma State had. Oklahoma State had 19 offensive possessions, 19, which is mind-blowing. That's a ton. I don't know if you guys keep up with possessions, but 19 is an extraordinary amount of possessions. Why did they have 19? Because Oklahoma had 18 that were all about a minute. Each one lasted about a minute to a minute and a half. It's insane. Crazy. Uh, so we asked Jeff Lebby about it yesterday, the um, Monday, and we asked Brent Venables about it yesterday. About the clock management, you know, he got a question about, Brent, do you get on the headset and remind your head, your offensive coordinator? I got on the the Monday presser with uh, with um, Jeff Lebby and, and asked him, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about clock management? What did you learn about play calling? He said he needed to be more aggressive, throw the football more often against a, a heavy box, you know, instead of banging your head against a, a wall with seven or even more occasionally guys in the box, they're, they're trying to run the clock down. But then he acknowledged there's a couple of times we probably should have huddled in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you think? You should have huddled a little bit? Um, that was a little bit mind-blowing to hear that. Now, he said the words uh, also, we, uh, we, threw the ball, or we ran the ball 16 out of the last 18 plays. Not entirely accurate with those numbers. I looked at it today. 11 of the last 18 were running plays. 11, not 16. So stretching the truth a little bit there, maybe to say that you called a running play from the press box, from the coach's box, you called a running play, but Dylan Gabriel got down under center and, or behind the center and said, we need to check to a pass. I mean, I, you can say you called 16 plays. That's, that's accurate. But uh, in terms of RPOs and, and options and check with me's and stuff like that, that the quarterback has to option out of plays or audible out of plays, 11 of 18 in the final uh, final two, you know, quarter and a half doesn't cut it when you've got a 15-point lead like that. You've got to be able to drain the clock. I said this on my radio show, guys. As a head coach on game day, you have one job. You got to meet with the boosters and you got to meet with the team and you got to meet with the recruits and you got to meet with the media and you got to do all this stupid stuff. But what is your one job on game day as a head coach? Win the freaking game. Do everything you can to win the game. That didn't take place on Saturday. If they had lost that game right now, you know how mad this fan base would be at the head coach and the offensive coordinator? Furious. No, completely. I mean, just peeling back, and we talked about it a lot after the game, obviously, who of you and I and Ross, but 
peeling back from it and getting a chance to, it gets more bizarre by the day looking at it, just how, and, and Ryan, you were joking about it with, with us yesterday at the press conference of even on punts, punt snapping it with 20, 30 seconds on the clock for just no reason. Um, yep. Just makes no sense. And so um, we'll see if Oklahoma can button that up. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, that, that falls on Jeff Levy, obviously um, with how quickly they were going Dylan Gabriel, but at the end of the day, Brett Venables needs to just hop on the headset and say, hey, man, you got to take more time because we shifted to a point in that game where it was just, can you just use a couple minutes at least before you put your defense back out there? Like who said, the vast majority of their drives were about a minute, which is just unacceptable in a game like that. And so it, it's it's a weird one. It's hard to know what to make of it for Oklahoma because on its nose, it's a win that you really needed and you got it. You won Bedlam even in your most down year in two decades. So there's something to be said about that and, and be happy with it. You got to boil eligibility, all that stuff, but um, you still leave with question marks. Now, the defense played a lot better, obviously. Um, it's actually amazing the defense held that lead, considering everything we're ju- we just said. Um, so, I mean, that's the positive take from it. But some strange, just, I don't even know the right word, procedural things. You know, some, I don't know. The, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... I don't know. So we'll see if that gets buttoned up, uh, if it's a similar situation this weekend or in the bowl or, I guess, yeah. next year. Um, it's okay to go three and out. It's okay to not get a first down. It is. You're trying your best. You're trying to get a first down. Somebody slips. Somebody drops a pass. Somebody misses a block, whatever. You don't have to go fast and go three and out. You don't have to go tempo and go three and out when you got a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter. That was just insane. Yeah, I mean, you get 40 seconds four times. You snap it with five seconds. Even if you go three and out, if you run the ball three times, punt it, and you snap it correctly, you should run two minutes off the clock. Oklahoma did that once, and they scored a touchdown <laughs> on that drive. Yeah, Hoove, uh, you brought up a, a, a dark alternate reality of if Oklahoma had blown that lead and lost on Saturday. I don't know where we'd be right now. Um, things would be on fire in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, because you know it, it's amazing and Kirk Hershey pointed out yesterday in the, the CFP ranking show how many first-year head coaches – now, not all of them are first-year head, head coaches like Brent is. This is Lily's first job. But first spot at a new place, what they're doing. Um, I mean, the top 10 or 15 is just littered with them, um, starting with the Notre Dame's ascension, but then the obvious ones, Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley, of course, Brian Kelly, Dan Lanning. I don't know if Oklahoma could have afforded another, another really brutal loss at home. Um, so they needed that. You have a chance here to try and finish with some positivity. If your defense continues to play well, you win again. Um, I think most OU fans have talked themselves into that we're just waiting for Jackson Arnold and the offense will be a lot better. But you need to see the defense progress. And they have. They have. They undoubtedly have. So yeah. we'll see if they can keep and it I, going. I love what Oklahoma did on defense. They did some stuff different uh, defensively than they've done previously. They ran some zone blitzes that they haven't run this year, and they ran some fronts that they haven't run, and Spencer Sanders didn't know what was happening. He was confused yeah. the entire game, or at least he was confused by where to go with the football. He thought he saw one thing, and it was something else entirely, and so he panicked, or he had to run, or he threw it away, or he threw it to the other team uh, eight times. Four of those were caught. Four of them were dropped. Um, so you got to be happy with that if you're an Oklahoma fan. you got to be happy with the fact that Oklahoma did some things defensively, made some progress. But, guys, I tried to spin that on my radio show, right, on the Sports Animal in Tulsa with Sam Mays. And Sam said, John, that Oklahoma State offensive line was a bunch of tackling dummies. 
They were not moving. They were not blocking. They were not doing anything. He wouldn't hear it. Now, he he grades – he was a former Oklahoma State offensive lineman. He grades OSU's offensive line very harshly. But he's kind of right. Oklahoma State's offensive line was had a really, really rough night. But, guys, I will, I will say it again. Everybody has a good night against that Oklahoma defense this year. Just about everybody had a good night. Iowa State almost had a good day, and Iowa State is dreadful offensively. And they put up yards and they put up points. Not many points, obviously. Uh, but they moved the football, turned the football over quite a bit. So for for Oklahoma to repel Oklahoma State's offense, which Oklahoma State puts up big numbers. They do. And Spencer Sanders is a dynamic player. He is. They've got some dangerous wide receivers. For, for them to repel them, uh, three possessions they scored, fifteen no sixteen possessions they did not score. That's remarkable for this Oklahoma defense. That's unbelievable progress. Yeah, OSU's offensive line obviously banked up and hasn't really played well for the back half of the year. Kansas has a awful unit offensive line wise. Oklahoma forced three turnovers in that game and still put forty two points on the board. The Jayhawks did so. Uh, it's a moving target. Yeah. No one's holding this defense up as the 85 Bears. No one is certainly confusing the Oklahoma State with an offense that is functional right now with that offensive line and how hurt Spencer Sanders is and his continued inability to diagnose any kind of different coverage that you've seen. Uh, but that's major, major progress for Oklahoma's defense from what we've seen them this year. 100%. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you just want to see improvement above anything else, and you saw it. So we'll see if they can keep it going. It doesn't mean as much if Tech scores 60, you know, and then you get lit up in the bowl, but um, baby steps. Baby steps for Oklahoma defense. Um, let's go ahead and dive into what who referenced earlier. So this Daniel Parker situation, it, it's a, it's a, you know, it came kind of out of nowhere. I mean, he wasn't at Bedlam. Um, there's just so much going on at Bedlam that, you know, we, we knew he wasn't there, but there's just so much going on. You don't really think about it too much as far as what that could mean. And then this report comes out, Tulsa Worley, Oklahoma this week, that he's in suspended indefinitely. Um, some serious legal troubles here. I'll let who you have it handy um, for all the, the details of it. But not good. Uh, Daniel Parker looks like he's not going to be a part of this team, at least moving forward. Yeah, I would doubt very seriously if he's um, involved with the Sooners for the rest of the season, not not just this week, but bowl game or, or anywhere beyond. Right. Uh, you know, pro day. Could this be hanging over him in pro day? You know what I mean? Nobody's going to want to draft a guy that's got this hanging over him in a sixth year or is a fifth year senior. Um, so, yeah, the the, Nor- the police report that I got from the Norman PD, domestic abuse, simple assault and assault and battery with a deadly weapon. Those are the those are the charges that were. Um, I shouldn't say charges. Those were the uh, yeah, those were the those were the offenses that were levied against him. Um, so he's not been charged. As of this morning, when I checked, he has not been charged yet. No charges have been filed. No arrests have been made. No warrants have been issued. So um, it's too bad. Um, it's not what you want out of, you know, going into the transfer portal and pull a guy who's a kind of a fringe player to begin with. I mean, he was an important player for stretches this season, but a fringe player. And next thing you know, he ends the season like this. It's uh, It's a stain on the transfer portal. It's a stain on Missouri. It's a stain on... Oklahoma for for getting the guy and you know checking into his character or whatever you know whatever labels you want to attach to it fair or not fair it is what it is now and he's um, been accused of this let's let's be 100 clear he's been accused of this this is all alleged 
nothing's been levied, nothing's been filed, nothing's been charged. So right. nothing official yet other than a police report was filed and police are looking into it. Yeah, and it's the first time we can kind of chart what the Brent Venables process will be at Oklahoma. It seems yeah. like they were very on top of that suspension as obviously he was suspended before it was reported. So it wasn't a wait for it to hit, oh, now he's suspended, thing like that. Um, I would imagine that the fact that he hasn't been charged yet, and these are all alleged, would be why it's a suspended indefinitely as opposed to a dismissed from program. And and that if that comes along and then it's that cut and dry, then uh, like we've said with a lot of things, the Kale Gundy situation, which is very, very, very different, very different from, from Daniel Parker. But anytime one of these things pops up, it's the first time we get to see how Brent Venables and this program is going to handle these things moving forward. So this is now going to be the standard for when things like this happen, that they were very on top of the suspended indefinitely. And then as the next steps play out legally, we'll see what those next steps look like for Daniel Parker and his status with the team. I think we could all assume what would happen if, if the charges are levied, all that stuff, but uh, not what you want, especially from um, a, a guy who th- that's what the process was that basically Brent Venables didn't know much about him. So this shows you what the portal is. Joe John Finley had a year with him at Missouri, he vouched for him. And then, you have something like this happens, it just shows you how, how touch and go relying on the portal to build stuff can be. And that's why Oklahoma wants to recruit big, big classes and keep those classes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like you said, Ryan, I mean, obviously we, we saw how quickly and how swiftly Brent Venables acted in the Kale Gundy situation. Seems to have acted pretty swiftly here, suspended indefinitely and all that. Um, and like I said, I can't imagine we see Parker again unless there is just a full clearance you know, falsely accused situation. I don't know why we would see him again uh, this season. So we'll keep you updated on that. Olsen's.com. Whenever we know more, we'll let you know on the injury front, Andrew Rame didn't get an update on him yesterday. Now you remember he warmed up in uh, before Bedlam was in full pads, the whole bit did the Dylan Gabriel and the cotton bowl situation. They didn't actually play in the game. It was a Rob Conzel show. He tweeted yesterday that he had surgery. So he's hoping for a quick recovery. Don't know what that means for a bowl game, but obviously we can assume if he just had surgery on Tuesday that he's probably not going to be able to play on Saturday. So it's going to be the Robert Conjol show again, you'd presume, uh, in Lubbock. Certainly uh, significant. I mean, this is one of Oklahoma's better offensive linemen, and uh, obviously they're sending the guy snapping the ball back to Dylan Gabriel. Chef Levy admitted, I can't remember when that was, that last week or was it just this week? It all meshed Monday. together. That is an adjustment when you have a different center. Yeah, he said that Monday. that He said yeah. it affects things more than you think, right? Uh, more right. than people realize. Uh, getting the ball back there with a different uh, pace, a different velocity, a uh, different location. He said you want it to be in the exact same spot every time you take the, the the snap if you're the quarterback so you get your eyes downfield, so you can get your feet right, so you can not have to think about your hips. If you're over here chasing a ball or you're over here to, or down here chasing a ball, if you're doing all that or it's coming really slow like some of Conjol's shots were, um, it affects the, the rhythm of the play. And I think that had a little bit to do with uh, some of the Oklahoma plays offensively being thrown off on Saturday against Oklahoma State. Some of it, not all of it, some of it was due to weird snaps and different snaps. And talked to Conjol on Monday night, and he said, yeah, I got to be better. Got to get my butt down. Got to get, um, you know, uh, that. got to get that fastball back there. Got to quit throwing knuckleballs. He said, Rain throws a fastball. And if, you, if you've ever – 
bent over and hiked the football between your legs. I used to do this in high school and I taught my son's uh, long snappers how to do it. Uh, sixth and seventh grade football, right? You get over, you bend over, you throw You basically, you're throwing the football like you would like this, like a quarterback. You're throwing it through your legs. That's how Rame does it. Rame fires it like a spiral, right? Conjo doesn't do that. Conjo gets it and just kind of flips it like almost like an option pitch going backwards. He just flips it. So yeah. it's a different pace. It's a different tempo. There's movement on the ball. Sometimes it's coming in sideways and poor Dylan Gabriel's back there going, whoa, you know, big eyes and wondering what, what to do next. Hopefully uh, Conjo ha- gets that figured out and um, everything, the operation runs a lot smoother and uh, because there were some, there were some problems and, and he said he's been working on it in practice and, and, Jeff Lebby also said, this is something we got to get fixed. Yeah. And your hope has to be that Conjo being so experienced with the the number of years he's played football, that he can digest a lot of the other stuff necessary in game prep so that he can basically just say this week, the biggest thing I need to fix is snapping that football, Texas tech. They're really good on the edge. Not as good as they've had a guy go down. We'll talk about here, probably the next segment, but um, for him, it's not like, oh my gosh, you've got Ika right in front of you from Baylor, right? That that you're, you're worried about that. Like, no, get the snap off, get the everything rolling smoothly. Then you hope that Conj will be able to take care of the rest of the stuff because I thought his protection was fine af- outside of the snaps on Saturday night. Yep, so we'll keep an eye on that on uh, Saturday in Lubbock, but Andrew Rame and we'll, uh, we'll obviously find out more if he is any potential of playing in the bowl. I don't you don't see a reason to push him for a bowl game, obviously, but we'll uh, we'll see. He tweeted he, he that he hopes for it to be a quick recovery. So how quick is quick? Uh, we'll find out in due time. One last thing that I wanted to get into that Brent Venable said today before we uh, shift over to full Texas Tech preview. We'll just think of his very stark opinion on opting out of the bowl. Um, this is kind of reality in college football in 2022. Who and I talked about on the wrap yesterday. I mean, guys opt out. We saw it a lot last year. You know, Benito, Jalaren Turniel, Paran Winfrey, um, lots of guys. I mean, lots of guys. They they choose to start their NFL. They get a jump on it. Uh, obviously, you have the guys who enter the transfer portal, but I don't think that's really what Brent is talking about. He's talking about more about guys who are shifting to the NFL and not finishing the season uh, how he sees it. Then you have other guys like Kenny Brooks last year who, you know, said there was no way he was opting out, even though that he did end up declaring. Caleb Williams, of course. Um kind of somewhat infamously or famously, I guess, actually did play in the bowl, even though he ended up transferring anyway. It kind of depends on the guy, but Brent Venables made it pretty clear, not a fan of it. So we'll, we'll see how that affects the team, but um, pretty stark opinion there from him. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, for Brent, In Brent's case, you want the best players on the team and you want them doing the thing that's best for them. And if your opinion is that that's best for them to play with their teammates one last game in college, in the Liberty Bowl or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl or whatever it is, uh, that's going to serve Oklahoma football, and it's certainly going to serve Brent to have better players on the team, right? So the way he phrased it was, if you're a top 10 kind of guy, sure, I could see that. But we're talking about loyalty here, loyalty to the program, loyalty to the fundamentals, what we're building, all that stuff. I mean, it is what it is. Players are going to opt out. Like a, like a Marvin Mims, if he gets a second round, first round, second round, third round, even draft pick, uh, a draft grade back, he very well could opt out. And if he does, that diminishes Oklahoma's receiver core. Um, Brent Venable said it doesn't, it is that way. It's that way nowadays. People are doing that. 
He said, it doesn't have to be that way. Some programs, it's not that way. So he's trying to sell right now. And you're always recruiting. You're always trying to get the best uh, players. If that's the, the guys who are on your team thinking about moving on or the guys who are not on your team thinking, looking for a place to go, whether that's transfer portal or recruiting. So um, it doesn't have to be that way. Brent says, but the fact of the matter, guys, it is that way. And you, it's going to continue to be that way. Yeah, it was just old school football coach. This is one of those things that Brent Middles is never going to love. You know what I mean? Um, and the reality is, if you get the program to where you want it to be, opt outs are not going to be an issue because you're playing in playoff games instead of the guaranteed rate bowl. Please, God, yeah. playing in the guaranteed rate bowl. Like, uh, so I, I think it's kind of a moot point. I also think it's one thing like if a Jalil Farouk who can't go to the NFL opted out to then come back. Yeah, that's an issue. That's not what's been happening, though. And from a building the program standpoint, like let's take Eric Gray. For me, Eric Gray is the most obvious guy that you need to go to the NFL. And with how the NFL grades running backs, wear and tear is a thing. So you need to play as few games as possible. Isn't it a good thing for Oklahoma if Eric Gray just says, I love you guys, I'm going to go to the NFL, and then you can go through the entire bowl practice knowing that Javante Barnes gets practice as the guy. And Gavin Sachuk, welcome to the game plan. You can play in this game without burning your red shirt. Like That is makes more sense for Oklahoma as far as being able to develop. A similar thing with Deshaun White. Great season for him. But now you get whoever you want at Cheetah. Pull your name out of your hat of the 80 names we've been given this year. But I would say Jaron Canick. He gets to go through all the bowl practices, the one, all those snaps is the one. That would help Oklahoma more next year. So I understand the loyalty thing, and it sounds great. and looks good on a T-shirt, bumper sticker stuff. doesn't make any sense when it comes to winning games in 2023. So it's just old-school football coach wanting to build that culture, which is fine. We all knew that that's the response Brent Venables would have, I think. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I, I completely, I mean, it, it makes sense. I get why you want guys to be loyal and to finish the season. I would get why Kenny Brooks is of the world would want to play in the bowl game and finish their season out and all that good stuff. But at the same time, I also totally get why the Nick Benitos and Paramount Winfrey's of the world want to go ahead and get a jump. And I don't, if you're Oklahoma, you, you want, you want to get a jump with your young guys. I mean, that that's kind of a, a big pro a big plus of getting those extra practices and getting that extra game um so i mean in reality i mean the whole thing's a house of cards in reality eric gray shouldn't even be playing now i mean they're not playing they're not in the championship chase you know all that stuff if you want to really poke at it <laughs> so opting out of the bowl game is acceptable um I, it doesn't bother me it's hard for me to sit here as somebody who just watches these games and covers them to say yeah you should go risk your whole career potentially in what is a, an exhibition game. It is, you know, and you can use it as a jumping, jumping point to your next year. I don't think bowl games are completely have no use at all. I do think it can really jumpstart you into your off season, but that doesn't mean deadly for the guys who are leaving anyway. So um, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I think Brent's just got a little bit of an old school take on it. Like Brian said, yeah. it's just kind of how it, how it's going to be. Unless you're Braden Willis and you say that thing, what he said this week, where in a year or two, they're going to win the national championship. I'm not going to be here, sure. but I will look back and say I had a hand in that. So there's a pride factor. And then there's something else too. Every player has his own internal motivation. Every player has his own desires and what he wants to do, what he wants to achieve, what he wants to be remembered for. In Eric Gray's case, uh, he's having a hell of a year, right? 
why not tack one more game onto that, stack those numbers up? We're, I was on a call to decide the uh, Football Writers All-America team. And, uh, you know, the writers from around the country, there's like 16 of us, and this this guy pitches this, and this person pitches that, and pretty soon there's all these names, and we're all considering, and somebody said, you know, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, and Deuce Vaughn, don't get me wrong, hell of a player, unbelievable talent. But they were like, Deuce Vaughn's had a this year, and this, he's done this, and he's done that. And I got my computer open and my stats, and I looked, and I said, Eric Gray's had a better year than Deuce Vaughn. He's got more rushing yards. He's got more catches, more touchdowns, more receptions, more yards. I was like, wait a minute. Is, yeah. If we're if we're doing that, I got one. Yeah, Eric Gray's. Uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, they didn't think about Eric It's true. You don't think about Eric Gray, but he's had that kind of year. Now, what kind of year does he want to add to that? Um, I th- I'm sure he would like a couple hundred yards in a bowl game, in a meaningless bowl game, stack that thing up to like 1,500. 100%. 100%. He's on track to get in the top 10 OU single season rushing yards of all time. Uh, yeah, if, he gets the bowl game, if, he, if he plays the bowl game, he definitely probably gets there. If he doesn't, then he would need, I think, I have to look at the math. You need a big game in Lubbock. So we'll, we'll see um, how that shakes out. I imagine we're going to find out pretty quick. I mean, after the game on Saturday, I imagine probably in the next day or two afterward, but we'll know if guys are going to play in whatever bowl game it may be uh, there at the end of December. All right, we're going to take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll dive into the Tech game this week, regular season finale of the Red Raiders and the Sooners in Lubbock. We're all going to be there. We'll preview the matchup next right here on the All Sooners podcast. All right, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I'll talk about it again. Our friends at Trade Pros developed the All-Star service program for homeowners and business owners that demand the absolute best from their HVAC systems. Sign up now for the All-Star service agreement, 25 bucks a month, and the guys at Trade Pros are going to come out two times a year for routine maintenance. Plus, you get two pounds of Freon every year at no charge. And get this, if your heating or air unit needs work, it's not going to cost you anything if the repair is under $500. If it's more than $500, your cost comes in at just 25% of the Trade Pro's price. Routine maintenance includes changing and cleaning the air filters, carbon monoxide check, thermostat check, safety switches, inspect pilot assembly, check fan motor, refrigerant check charge, all kinds of stuff. Listen, just call Trade Pros, 405-639-9991, or check out their website, tradeprosokc.com. On Twitter, you can follow all Sooners at all underscore Sooners. Ryan's at underscore Ryan Chapman. Hooves at John E. Hoover. I'm at Josh M. Calloway. Our website is allsooners.com. We are a Fan Nation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. All right, regular season finale on Saturday, Oklahoma and Texas Tech. It's a 6.30 p.m. kickoff there in Lubbock. Earlier in the week, the forecast was like 68 and sunny all day. It then shifted to like 48 and a chance of snow. So I'm just kind of doing a weather blackout until like the day before because clearly it's not trustworthy right now. So we'll see what we're dealing with up there. Right now, I have OU listed here as a two-point favorite in Lubbock. The Red Raiders are also 6-5. and five. They've got kind of a, a pretty good first season, I guess, under, under Joey McGuire, who's also one of these first-year head coaches. They've been pretty much competitive in all their games outside of getting blown out by Baylor a few weeks ago. They've been really good at home. They beat Texas at home this year. Um, They also beat Kansas at home this year. Um, They beat Houston this year. I mean, they have some solid wins under their belt. They're a solid team, not amazing, 
not certainly not a bad team either. They're also going to be going bowling. So we'll see what, uh, where they end up in their bowl game, but feels kind of similarly to what we were talking about just a couple weeks ago with West Virginia game, honestly, where coming into that game, West Virginia had some good games, some not so good games. They've been a lot better at home. That's kind of how I classify Texas tech. And I'll just do, we, we remember how that West Virginia game went. So, We'll see what happens on Saturday, but last game of the regular season. Some uh, initial thoughts on what this game could look like and what Texas Tech is exactly, because they're uh, they're kind of a hard team to get a read on. They are absolutely a hard team to get a read on. Uh, I'm looking at their scores right now this season. Uh, five and one at home, so that's uh, something that doesn't bode well for Oklahoma. But um, you look at their four, their four and four in conference play, which is a game better than OU in the standings, right? So you look at their wins. They got a couple of close wins. One's over Texas and one's on the road at Iowa State last week, 14-10. So a three-point win over Texas and a four-point win over Iowa State. And then their two, their other two wins are blowouts. Um, their losses were either blowouts or close, you know, one, one-and-a-half type possession games, nine points. I think one was ten points. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma State. So they're absolutely a hard team to get a read on. They've had quarterback problems all year, all year from the very first game, uh, whether it was Tyler Shuck or, or Donovan Smith or whoever. Guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, we saw last week where both got, both those guys got snaps. Both those guys played. So um, I think Shuck got all the quarterback snaps, you know, all the throwing. But uh, Donovan comes in and runs the uh, the Wildcat stuff. Uh, hard read, hard team to get a read on, just especially offensively, defensively missing, uh, Tyree, man, uh, geez, what a, what a blow that is. First team, all American defensive end slash linebacker, edge rusher, six, six, two seventy. put, uh, projected as a first round draft pick. He's not going to play. That's a, that's a tough blow for those guys as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's a huge blow to a Texas X defense that if, if you, haven't been paying attention, and you go, wait, 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 this group can actually generate some tackles for loss, some sacks, things like that, because it's not what Texas Tech has been the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's felt like. But, yeah, I think this team is as up and down as, like you kind of mentioned, Hoove, the, the quarterback, if Shuck throws the ball 12 times on Saturday, Texas Tech will have had three quarterbacks who had a hundred or more passing attempts this year, which is just yeah. nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, Sir Roderick Thompson is still there. So if uh, Donovan Smith and Sir Roderick can get it going on the ground, then that, that's kind of what I'm looking at defensively for Oklahoma. Cause when they've really struggled, it's been Kansas state rushing attack, Texas's rushing attack, Baylor's rushing attack. TCU's really the only one, that really abused Oklahoma through the air with a bunch of coverage busts, things like that. Teams have had success, but as far as just absolutely pouring it on, and then you look at West Virginia, what aspect of the games where Oklahoma kind of lost the plot when Garrett Green started running the football. So uh, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I'm not as worried about Chuck sitting back in there. He hasn't been incredibly accurate, four touchdowns, two picks. So it's not like he's taking care of the ball, things like that. I know he's efficient as far as his yards per completion when it does get there, but it's not getting there as much as it does with, with the Donovan Smith. So for me, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you hope that Shuck is the guy for a majority of the time. That's just the most traditional look that OU's really, their pass defense has come a long way as CJ Colden's come on and the safeties have gotten healthy, all that stuff. It's if Smith comes in and, and, um, Joey McGuire realizes, hey, the best thing to do is attack this Oklahoma defense by Aaron on the ground. That's where I think things get hinky for Oklahoma. 
Yeah. And my, I, what I regret about this game, Wilson, Tyree Wilson gets, um, gets injured, broke, broke his bone, broke a bone in his foot. Again, projected first round pick. He opted out the rest, rest of the season. He's not going to try to play. He's not going to try to rehab or he's going to get surgery. He's going to get it fixed. He's going to get ready for the draft and he's going to come back better than ever. We are, we are robbed of a fantastic matchup between him and Anton Harrison. And I told Sam on the, on the radio this week, I said, man, I bet Anton Harrison's taking a deep breath. And he's like, if I'm Anton Harrison, I want to play that kid because playing that kid is going to raise my draft stock. So yeah, that's uh, that's too bad that we're not going to get that individual matchup, man. That would have been good. Definitely. And yeah, Texas tech uh, to Ryan's point. Yeah. They've had three quarterbacks play pretty extensively this season. Cause you had Donovan Smith and Shuckle guys mentioned, and then also Baron Morton has thrown uh, for over a thousand yards and, Roger Thompson, like Ryan said, still there. It feels like he's been there forever. And then Taj Brooks. So a decent little running back duo there. They don't – they're kind of just – you look at their numbers and they're kind of just very evenly spread out. Like they don't really have go-to guys anywhere, even at quarterback. But they they have people who are – guys who are capable. Um, so we'll see. And, um, I mean, completely agree with Ryan's point. I mean, the quarterbacks who have proved that they can't really move or they're at least not as mobile as other ones have – Largely, that's when Oklahoma's made their hay. I mean, you look at what they did to JT Daniels, forced him to get benched in that game. I mean, last week, Spencer Sanders, a little bit hampered, not quite himself. He had a rough go of it. Earlier in the season, Casey Thompson had a rough go of it. I mean, so it, it we'll see what approach they have. But if uh, they put Donovan Smith out there and he's just kind of running around, that's where Tech is going to probably have a chance to have some success. Um, because, I mean, not for nothing and not to just rip the guy, but if Garrett Green is tearing you up, then anybody who can move, you feel like has got an ability to tear you up. So we'll see what that looks like um, on Saturday. What, what What's the biggest key for Oklahoma in this game? I mean, what do they definitely have to do if they're going to get in out of Lubbock with that seventh win? Is there anything that jumps out to you guys that that, that hmm. circle it? If they don't do this, they're not going to win. Josh, you mentioned the weather, man. If it's uh, blustery, if it's snowy or whatever. It changes by the minute. Yeah. They need to run the football. They need to get the ball as – as Jeff Levy said in Morgantown, get the ball out of Dylan Gabriel's hands. If he's back there throwing it, trying to throw it all over the yard in the fourth quarter or whatever, and they need him to throw it, that means they're in trouble. Uh, if if he can throw it twenty times or less in in bad conditions, if everything if the conditions are good, then you play it straight up. If the conditions are bad, then run the football, give the football to Eric Gray thirty times. Yeah, I, I think that that's the key, and I think it's the key actually for a different reason. Um, this Oklahoma defense, we talked about it a ton. They faced 102 snaps on Saturday. Brent Venables highlighted, which I think will be the key number again, that Texas Tech has hit 100 offensive plays five times this year. Yeah. OU's defense doesn't have the depth to, for my money, hold up for that another week. I mean, if you go and look, the videos of you know you guys on the field for that last play of the game, stuff like that. Go look at Josh's highlights. That's a defense that didn't even have the energy to celebrate at the end. So <laughs> the running game needs to get going, if nothing else, so that Oklahoma can recharge a little bit. And that way, that defense can try and build on a pretty solid last two games. I got 46 degree the high in tonight game, so I'll be lower than that, with a 50% chance of snow right now. <laughs> um, when I checked last night, it, the snow chance had kind of gone away and the temp had gone up a little bit. Now we're back to a little lower and the snow. So 
like I said, weather blackout until Friday. Now, the weather on Friday looks like it's definitely going to be bad. So, silver linings, the game isn't being played on a black, isn't a Black Friday game because it's like definitely going to snow on Friday and, and be pretty cold. So, we may, we may be out of the worst of it by the time Saturday night rolls around. We can hope. Um, what about Dylan Gabriel in this game? Um, you know, he, He's had a weird year. I mean, that, that first quarter, a uh, little nugget from uh, Mike Houck, you know, you know uh, football SID, or waiting for players on Monday night. Dylan Gabriel set the single quarter yardage record for Oklahoma on, on uh, Saturday. That's insane, but he did nothing the rest of the game. Nothing. Diddly. Couldn't move the ball at all. He had like 30 passing yards, completed one pass, like who said, in the second half um, in that game on Saturday. What are we expecting from him? Because right now, it's like flip a coin on what you're going to get. Not even game to game, but like drive to drive, quarter to quarter. It's um, it's something that we haven't seen a lot of for sure at Oklahoma. The fans and and certainly we as the media when it comes to covering these things, been a little spoiled by elite quarterback play. We've said that a lot. Uh, remember when J- Jalen Hurts was breaking records? Okay, remember when Baker Mayfield was break, breaking records and then Kyler Murray came along and broke all those? Broke all those. And Jalen Hurts, like, what? Jalen Hurts, most yards off total offense and most yards uh, rushing by a quarterback and all this, and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Let's just tell it like it is. Lincoln Riley had a way with quarterbacks. Um, Spencer Rattler was really good for large stretches. Caleb Williams comes in is really good for large stretches. Well, guess who's not coaching quarterbacks, right? I'm not laying it at Jeff Levy's feet. I'm just saying that hate to hate me if you must hate me if you must, but that quarterback guru that they had is not here coaching the quarterbacks. Now uh, it's just a mortal quarterbacks coach. And his name's Jeff Levy inconsistent, strikingly inconsistent from not just one game to the next, but one play to the next. I mean, he'll drop an absolute dime. Yeah, and then the next play he'll miss a guy by six yards, and you're like, "Did he? Did he get his hand hit? You know, did, it, did his feet slip out from under him? What? What was that? Uh, it's it's bizarre to watch, and like I said, we're not used to seeing this kind of inconsistency at the quarterback play at Oklahoma. Josh, apologies. I'm going to go back to the weather report. I know weather blackout, but uh, the near <laughs> freezing temps plus. About a 10 mile an hour Western wind that to me says that Dylan Gabriel is going to be up and down. Cause guys, I think another thing is, I just don't think his arm strength is there compared to some of the other guys that Oklahoma's had the last few years. And I think that he's talked about, he's, he's not really wanted to address it about playing in the elements and all that stuff. He's not using it as an excuse. I think after Bedlam is the closest anyone kind of got to him talking about, it's been an adjustment, but Throwing in wind has been a problem for Dylan Gabriel all the way back to the spring game. It looked ugly, and that was more wind than really they've played with it most times this year. In Lubbock, that thing kind of swirls down there. If I remember correctly, I'm not expecting any sort of consistency from him quarter to quarter as he battles the wind, frankly. It definitely gives you a a big appreciation for those guys, Baker and and Kyler and Jalen Hurts. Um, even more so for me, at least than 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 what Lincoln Riley did, because I mean, look at last year. And I know he's a, he's a true freshman, so it, it doesn't it's not a, com- a totally perfect comparison. But Caleb Williams, if you guys remember, he threw for eighty seven yards against Iowa State last year in the second to last game. Eighty seven. Now they won that game amazingly. Well, but remember, Josh Lincoln Riley was not coaching him at that point. 
<laughs> that's true. He was he was way Just checked saying. out by then. Just that's, saying. that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Caleb Williams did not get coached to look at his numbers. Yeah, his numbers suck compared to the – right before the bye, 402 yards against Texas Tech. <laughs> after the bye, he didn't throw for that hardly total in the last three games of the season. Yeah, I wonder what the delineation was. I wonder what happened during that bye week. What could have possibly happened? Where could Lincoln have possibly been? If, guys, I assure you it's way more boring than you think. <laughs> and, yeah, way more boring than you think. That's what he said, right, when he got back there on the, yep. the following and nobody he wouldn't tell anybody what he was doing. And then you, you add all this, this inconsistent quarterback play of Dylan Gabriel. And I mean, close your ears, I guess. OU fans are second. Caleb Williams looks like the Heisman front runner right now, potentially. For Spencer sure. Rattler just threw for six touchdowns against Tennessee. And Tanner Mordecai is going pro a year early. All these guys who were at OU recently are thriving at the moment. So it, it makes it worse. So we all agree. We all feel the same way about Dylan Gabriel. He can be good, but it just, he has to give it to you more consistently. Um, so we'll see what happens on Saturday. It's definitely as the weather's gotten colder and it's gotten a little windier, he hasn't played as well. And that was a fear coming into the year. Some people brushed it off like, ah, no, like he's Hawaiian and played at UCF. Like that's not going to, you're just reaching and it's kind of playing out as the weather's gotten colder. He has not been as good. So we'll, yeah, we'll see you're what right. happens on Saturday. I'll take you back though. As early as the, ne- the Nebraska game, I believe he was missing wide open receivers. And we were like, huh? Because it was one of those things. It's like, oh, look at so-and-so's wide open. Oh, he totally missed him. Huh. Well, they're almost shut out against Kent State in the first half, remember? Yeah, that too. Um, but it was Kansas State. It was uh, at TCU. And then he got hurt against TCU. And you're like, boy, he's missing a lot of receivers. It, it's not, <laughs> it wasn't like a weird thing. I mean, he's continued to do that all season. I know he's trying hard. And I know he's, a, listen, we all like the kid. We all like uh, what he stands for and how he re- represents himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's knocking Dylan as a, as a person, but as a quarterback, um, he comes out of those games and he's like, I wish I had that one back. Uh, wh- you can offer criticism. He's not the worst quarterback we've ever seen. Come on, you guys leave him alone. Stop pounding him over the head. He's, he's a good college quarterback. I mean, did uh, you see the games where he was out? <laughs> did you watch those? The Texas yeah, game? Exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, this team would be 0 and 12 right now without Dylan Gabriel <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> Literally, literally, they probably would. So we'll uh, we'll see if he bounces back on Saturday. Last thing, and then we'll uh, we'll flip over our last segment. We'll oh, have hey, our, yeah, real quick, Ryan brought up a great question at Texas against Texas and, and Dallas about quarterback development. Has that gotten better? You know, the back the backup guys were not developed because maybe they were putting so much emphasis on Dylan Gabriel. Right, got to get Dylan back in the groove of my offense yeah. and, you know, UCF and we were together for a year. And so now the, the, okay. So they ignored the backup guys development or maybe the backup guys didn't develop like they should have. I don't know. But just in terms of since then, since the Texas game, has the quarterback position been developed? I think that's a fair question, Ryan. You want to tackle that? Yeah. I mean, he looks like the same guy that he's, he, he looks, looks like the exact same guy. He's just dealing with better defenses because he wasn't playing, UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska, right? And yeah. tougher conditions as far as the weather, things like that. I, it, it was almost for the Kansas game, he looked more relaxed, and it wasn't anything different about his performance. Again, I, I talked about a lot that a three-loss team, the pressure was off. It looked like the first time that Dylan Gabriel was settled as the quarterback at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. 
And then as people got excited, excited, excited again, he wasn't asked to do much against Iowa State. So I don't really think that's a quarterback development thing. That was a game plan thing. But same issues were there against Baylor. They had to take the ball out of his hands in the second half in Morgantown. And then outside of a quarter, the offense did not run on Saturday against Oklahoma State. Against, statistically, the worst defense in the conference. Yeah. It ties back into what we talked about last week, too, with I'm very surprised that Brent Venables was so pounding the table that they're not going to add a quarterback in the transfer portal. I think he definitely have to add one. He just hasn't he hasn't done enough to guarantee himself that job coming back next year. I think you add a quarterback if you can, if you can find one that's starter quality. And him, Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, if you want to throw him in there, anybody else, open competition next spring and fall for who I mean, that that job should not be handed, uh, by any means, in my opinion. So we'll see uh how he plays on Saturday and stay wind and cold and a fan base that's going to be on top of them. Um, we've talked about it many times. Lubbock is a scary place and we're going to be there on Saturday. Last thing. And then we'll, we'll put the page to the last segment. We'll have our official picks on Friday and ulcers.com, but yes or no, does Oklahoma win this game uh, on Saturday? The answer is no. I'll go with a shaky. Yes. <laughs> flip, flip that coin, baby. I don't think so either. Uh, I think no, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I have till Friday to lock it in officially, but right now I feel like ugh, it's hard to hard to see it at the moment. Yeah, I haven't had turkey yet this week, so I don't know what, what's going to happen <laughs> in the football game. I got to get some turkey and mac and cheese and mashed potatoes in, in my face before. Wow. I, uh, are you guys mac and cheese on Thanksgiving? Some people oh, yeah, like uh, re- yeah. re- rebuke that. Yeah, mac and cheese anytime. 100%. And any kind of potato dish as well. As for any form of potato <laughs> side dish, I'm also firing that up. I'm a recently converted GBC fan too. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm out on that one. I know that's sacrilegious for some people, but I'm not a GBC guy. I'm not a stuffing guy either, which people get on me about that as well. But it just is what it is. I think the only two things that I'm, and I'm not anti, they're just not for me, is I'm not a cranberry sauce guy on Thanksgiving, and I just don't like pumpkin. So pumpkin <laughs> pie or anything is not my bad. The, my girlfriend, she brought a pumpkin pie to like our Friendsgiving, and she's like, you want to yeah. try a slice? And not realizing like in the moment that, oh, it's pumpkin pie. So I'm like, no. I'm so like, sure. And I take a bite. And I'm like, oh, it tastes like pumpkin. <laughs> That's for sure. It has Both all- of you guys better steer clear of the Hoover household. We have all four of those things as sides on my, in my every year, Thanksgiving. Well, perfect. Because I'll just all mow through the GBC. And you guys can uh, have more pumpkin pie. It'll, it's a perfect trade-off. I'll tell you, I'm not really a big pumpkin pie guy either. I sound like I don't eat Thanksgiving food based on this conversation, <laughs> but I just load up turkey, mashed potatoes, rolls, and mac and cheese. It's all you need. You what? pile it on, and you just go from there. That's Why Josh hates Thanksgiving, we'll talk about it after the break. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> Josh, just give me all your starches, please. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, we'll take one last time out. We'll come back. A uh, few last things to get through. Big recruiting week already for Oklahoma. That's going to get bigger. We'll dive into that. We'll also give a little basketball update as well on the way out in the final segment of the All Sooners podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter 
at all underscore Sooners. Final segment of the All Sooners podcast, episode 161. Send you on your way into your Thanksgiving weekend. And then uh, weekend up there in Lubbock. Final game of the regular season already. It's it's nuts. Uh, it's crazy. We've we've come we've come so far. Wrapping up uh, our second year as a trio. We still have the bowl game, of course. But uh, we'll finish things up in Lubbock on Saturday. First time the three of us actually together since the what game? The Baylor? No. Iowa State. Iowa State. Yeah. No. Oh, it was Baylor. It was Baylor. Yeah. Baylor. Yeah. Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> we uh yeah I didn't go to Morningtown. Then Ryan was six. So we've been kind of off our off our rhythm. But we'll get it back on track in Lubbock. So this is a overused cliche, but I think I can appropriately say this: the co- covering co- a college football team, covering a beat closely like we do. I've never run a marathon, and I would have no chance of ever finishing a marathon or even training for a marathon. But I gotta think it's a lot like running a marathon, where you train for it, you train for it, you do all this background, you do all this research, you do all this prep, and then you run it. And while you're running it, you're like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? This is killing me. And then when it's done, you're like, oh, that was only three hours. It's already over. You look back on it and it's like, yeah, Dang, that was. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a grind covering the team this year. Uh, and, and if you consider where we came from one year ago this week, fellas, uh, the grind has never subsided at all. Yeah, it's felt it's felt like no off season because it went straight from. Um, I, Josh talks about this a lot, but literally we were crawling into bed about five a.m. on Sunday morning <laughs> after Bedlam, and we were yeah. crawling out of bed about nine a.m. as Bruce Feldman is doing the USC is targeting Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley, and we're going wait, that's like the Woj tipping picks thing. That like when you see that targeting, that means yeah. the hire is happening. It just can't be official yet then straight into venable staff portal season the first off season summer with Schmitty, Schmitty all that mania yeah, yeah. I, it'll be nice to uh have a month or two maybe where we can be like Whew. yeah if portal it's gonna- season starts monday guys we're not gonna have a month or two for anything portal season starts monday well, this doesn't say it's going to be chaotic and the, the portal is going to be nuts again like it like it was last year but it, it's so hard to replicate that the Lincoln leaving and then the Caleb Williams mania and all that. Like yep. we, we, the bar is, it's going to be high, but that bar is so up there that we, we can't even hit it probably. So it, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun time. We'll see where we end up in our bowl. We've been speculating a lot and there's about 15 possibilities. It feels like, so we'll uh, be keeping up with that in the week ahead. A uh, bowl projection from Brett McMurphy action Network had him in the cheese it bowl playing Notre Dame. I didn't have that even remotely on my radar. So it made me rethink everything I, I thought about the bowl season. So we'll uh, be keying up with that as we'll see well, where the Sooners end up. Are we going to go into the bowl, bowl speculation? Sure. Let's do it. As long as we're there. Uh, Brett McMurphy, Notre Dame. Sure. Cheese it. Okay. Not really a big fan of Orlando this time of year. It gets a little crowded for my liking. Do we get free cheese it? Um, do they just hand out boxes? Because yes, I'd boxes be on board for that. Boxes. Bro, I got a box in the mail from as a football writer's voter. Um, I got a box of t- two boxes of Cheez-Its in the mail last December. Like, okay, sat there and ate Cheez-Its right out of commemorative box. Uh, the the one that we've seen probably the most of is Liberty Bowl in Memphis, 
and who would be the opponent or who would be an attractive opponent, but an attractive opponent, but good old South Carolina Gamecocks with Shane Beamer and Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner. That could be entertaining. Ryan, you saw some uh, other information in terms of bowl speculation. Yeah, and before we dive into that, too, the Houston Bowl, or the Texas Bowl, sorry, played in Houston. Texas Bowl, yeah. uh, Texas bowl excuse me. That's also a Big 12 SEC tie-in. So uh, there's two avenues for Oklahoma and South Carolina, or I've seen Oklahoma and Mississippi State in the Texas Bowl, which obviously uh, first, fun. first matchup ever between those two schools, but the leech stories leaking out everywhere but the big 12 does not bind these bowls to say the first place team has to go to the first bowl the second place team has to go to the second bowl someone's got to go to the sugar bowl that's it outside of that the bowls have the authority to say we are picking whoever we want we just have to pick a big 12 team and while more times than not that goes chalk there's been speculation that if USC loses to Notre Dame and then loses to what we're assuming is going to be Oregon if the Ducks take care of business in the Pac-12 championship game, a three-loss USC tumbles to the Alamo Bowl if Oklahoma can beat Texas Tech this weekend and go 7-5. and five, Yes, they would be jumping people, but the Alamo Bowl had one of their highest attended games last go-around for an opt-out city bonanza just because they got to cash in on Oklahoma fans' one last ride with Bob Stoops. You're telling me that the Alamo Bowl is not going to sit there and think really hard about this game is going to sell out? There are going to be OU fans that go to San Antonio just to try and boo the hell out of any USC or Lincoln Riley. It'll be an OU home game. Yeah, like yeah. it. That's going to be a very hot ticket, and the Bulls are in it for the Bulls. That might be really hard for them to pass up, even though Oklahoma's 7-5 and five and we'd be jumping up above some other records. USC would USC fans would sell their ticket allotment, <laughs> you know? So uh, there'd be uh, 48,500 uh, OU fans down in the, in the Alamo Dome. EB and OU home game. Uh, OU would take over that thing, and yep. it would be mayhem, and we would enjoy it. And if you guys remember, if you weren't with us last week, we the Alamo Bowl, and I, it's how all the bowls are, but the press conferences are all joint. I mean, we we, <laughs> we got to talk to Oregon the whole time, so we would, we would get Lincoln and Caleb Williams regularly that week, and that would be insanity. An awkward insanity. reunion with Alex Grinch, considering the last interaction oh, he had God. with the OU press corps at the airport as well. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Would that be fun to cover or what? Because as Amazing. a reporter, you would just throw caution to the wind and just say, this is a nonsensical question. Lincoln, why did you leave the way you did? <laughs> Alex, do you regret joining? You know, I mean, just go right at him because there's no repercussions. That's the other team's coach now. So uh, you don't have to come back to Norman with your tail between your legs getting scorned by the head coach or the defensive coordinator that you got to cover for the next three or four years, right? USC beat would probably send like two reporters. So we <laughs> just take over their press conferences, basically. Uh, I just... With everything inside of me, a special teams blunder that proved costly for the Trojans. I'm <laughs> doing poof, 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 poof. You have to poof. You have to ask the question. Sign me up. Lincoln, do you regret not hiring a special teams coach this year? Because last year's in the past. No, I'd, I'd, I'd go down that path. Absolutely. Well, I mean, be amazing. It's your responsibility to the college football world. Bob. That's right. That's right. 
We'll definitely find out. Um, Oklahoma fans are rooting against USC anyway, but uh, maybe we, more, uh, more so with uh, that potentially on the table. What if we enlisted the OU Daily guys to go watch USC practice? Be incredible. Who's getting the snaps? Just do <laughs> yeah. it. Who will be the starting quarterback, guys? We need to know. Just report on anything. Just peeking over the fence. Even if they're like open practice, they have to watch it from looking over the fence. That would be one that we'd want to drive through and make the USC open practice as well, though. Not just the OU version of it. Yeah. You, listen, USC, when OU played them in the Orange Bowl and, and well beyond, they had a SID who was legendary, Tim Tessito, Tim, Tim Tessalone. And uh, he would just – it was his show. He would open practices. We got one-on-ones with Pete Carroll if we needed him. Talk to Reggie Bush over here on the side after practice. Is like, what? This is what? You're doing what for us? That's how USC used to be. Uh, I got asked when Lincoln went to uh, to USC. I got asked by the USC, uh, one of the Fan Nation USC writers. So uh, Lincoln's going to open up practice, right? Going to keep practice open? Like, no. No, you're gonna no have, way, you're gonna be living the nightmare of your dreams. It is uh, he is going to close practice, and he has he has absolutely because the guy retired, Tim Teslon retired, and then Lincoln showed up and closed everything down. And it's like everything's different now. Not even Snoop Dogg gets to come to these USC practices. <laughs> That's how you know it's bad. Our guy Matt Liner and a very familiar carpool karaoke guy is all over the place though. With uh, Matt Liner recreating the Bush Push this week for social media. <laughs> It would be fun. It'd be amazing. It's it's probably a pipe dream, but it would be amazing. Um, and we Ryan and I talked about it on the car on the way back. I think from the Iowa State game. Just you, you hope that obviously you want it to happen at some point, obviously, but you really hope it happens either this year, or next year for the Caleb Williams angle as well. Um, but we'll see. If OU could play USC at some point, that'd be amazing. Obviously, so we'll see how this shakes out. Lots of bold projections. Like I said, there's like 10 different possibilities. That does get narrowed a bit. I feel like if they lose on Saturday and they're 6-6, six and six, yeah. but we'll uh, we'll find out. We'll reevaluate uh, maybe next Wednesday as, uh, as to what the latest is going into championship weekend. All right. That's recruiting. next. Let's yeah. see. We've got this weekend, and then I think I said made a reference earlier to Sunday. We don't find out this Sunday. We find out the Sunday next after Sunday. the conference yeah, championship. Same Sunday they announced the playoff. Yeah. Right, yeah. So playoff, uh, TCU going to the playoff probably, right? We're all kind of in yeah, agreement. They keep yeah, they'll be there. They're not going to lose to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game, are they? Uh, Maybe. Oh, it could happen. It, it could is, absolutely happen. Are going to all happen. four quarters? Because they might. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so if, that happens, if everything shakes out, Chalk, uh, TCU to the playoff, uh, Kansas State to the Sugar Bowl, and then the Alamo Bowl gets to pick, right? That's my understanding. And yeah. it'd be between pretty much OU and Texas, really, be the, the conversation. But if it's USC, you have a hard time believing they wouldn't take OU. If it's not USC, they might go Texas, just because they're a better team this year. But Would USC have the ability to de- decline the bowl invitation, knowing that they're going to pick <laughs> Oklahoma? Well, that yeah, they that might be there. Look, we're playing Texas or Baylor. or Well, actually, Lincoln doesn't want any part of Dave Rand. We're playing Texas. Yeah. Lincoln did all right against Texas. Yeah, yeah, he'll take that one. And then and then we'll do the 2005 Rose Bowl redux. Slash Caleb Williams versus Texas part two. Yeah. After what he did last year. The storylines are plentiful if we get the right matchups. So we'll yep. see how it checks out uh, next Sunday when all the bowls are announced. Recruiting-wise, Oklahoma, good week already. We talked about it uh, you know, after the game on Saturday, uh, Hoover, Ross, and I. 
it was a, um, a million recruits were there. It was a huge recruiting weekend. They're reaping the benefits already. They've had two commits. Brent Venables kind of outlined it all, who had a story on it. I recommend you go read that story and watch Venables. It stressed me out, him explaining what a, what a recruiting weekend of that magnitude is like, because it was, how did you get ready for the game, basically, is kind of was my yeah. thought when he was outlining it. But they've got two commits this week already. We'll dive into each one here uh, briefly for shifting some other things to wrap up. Ashton Sanders was the first one. He committed on Sunday. He committed, I mean, he's from California. Was he even home? I have a hard time believing he had even made it home from Los Angeles. Three-star defensive lineman, 6'1", 270 is what he listed on 247 Sports. Committed to Oklahoma uh, on Sunday. This was their first get of the post-bedlam. Solid pickup here. I mean, you can see his tape. He's very disruptive. He's big and strong. He's one of these guys that you're, you're banking on Todd Bates and Brent Venables and Jerry Schmidt getting a hold of him and making him higher than what he that's the whole point, but making him take some big strides, I feel like, is where you kind of stand with him. Yeah, 6'1", 270, uh, power, powerful guy, short, you know, run stopper. You would want him around uh, 300, 305, I would think, uh, with a lot of muscle on him, you know, get some of that freshman baby fat off and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's a guy that uh, it committed. I, I think he committed in the locker room after the game. You know, he was so excited about what he had seen and, and the offer that he'd gotten that uh, and the, the, the NIL collective that's popped up and has over, raised over a million dollars in just, what, nine days. Uh, recruits are looking at that stuff now differently than they did just last year, you know, just even 12 months ago. So a huge recruiting weekend to have that many guys, 36, 40 guys, whatever the number was, that the final tally. Um, and so many, so many five stars, you know, in that group, but, uh, Ashton Sanders, he's not waiting around. He, he committed immediately. The offer came, uh, earlier and he decided he likes the LEDs. He likes the crowd. He likes the fans. He likes the program. He likes the stadium. He likes the facilities, he likes everything about it. So congratulations to Ashton. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting too, that what he's done and what the next commit that we're going to talk about here in a second you start looking at the numbers, that's a hefty numbers-wise defensive line class, and the Sooners are still trying to chase down David Hicks as well, obviously the the number one yeah. defensive lineman in the country. I think that there's a big emphasis on if you're not going to have to hit the portal for depth guys and things like that, you need to take a lot of those numbers, and when you've got Jerry Schmidt and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, like we're going to talk about here in a second, taking a guy like Sanders and saying, this is one of those gyms that you feel like try to put some weight on, coach them up. They can be in that rotation here in a couple of years, Just a very different approach from Oklahoma because feels like this kind of recruit probably wouldn't have been a take under the new recruiting style that Lincoln Riley had brought in toward the end, which was the qu quality over quantity and everybody else you'll find in the portal. So um, I think it's just very fascinating that Oklahoma continues to add numbers in and uh, looks to try to build this to be, again, if they hit their home run with David Hicks, who will be a take. If he wants to come, he'll be a take, right? Um, they're going to have a pretty hefty defensive line class here in 2023. One day later, they made another addition on the defensive side with Taylor Wine, who's a uh, three-star edge from Nolensville, Tennessee, 6'5", 235 is where he's listed at. On 247 Sports, his tape is awesome. He's very disruptive. I I, he, I like his potential a lot. And looking at you know what he did out there in Tennessee, 
He's big and strong, athletic. There's one play in his highlight reel, which I recommend, you know, you go watch. You got to at least get a little bit of a taste of what he's like. Where a running back gets around the edge, and he just chases a running back down. I mean, just a monster running a guy down, down the sideline, 40, 50 yards down, and catching him from behind. I mean, that's that's not normal. Um, I like his upside a lot. Uh, good get here uh, for, for Oklahoma in uh, Taylor Wine. Two, two commits in two days. Yeah, Taylor comes in at 6'5", 235. That's what his high school height and weight is or his, you know, his camp height and weight. Uh, Sooners will probably want him to play at around 260, 265, maybe even bigger at 270 uh, if Brent Venables wants to play that three-man front and play it effectively. He's going to want a big, huge, disruptive, long um, defensive end, edge rusher like that. Uh, it's a possibility he could play that stand-up position as well, being six foot five. It's a little easier to get off the ground when you only have uh, when you're only in a two-point stance than a than a three-point stance. Uh, four four-man front, you're going to want defensive ends that are slightly smaller. A three-man front, you're going to want defensive ends that are slightly bigger. But you're right, Josh. He's got incredible athletic ability, incredible um, uh, ability to move quickly around the edge, uh, around the blocker. Uh, he's got long arms to, to engage and disengage all in one quick motion from the uh, from the offensive tackle. And he was offered um, the day after Oklahoma got lost the flip from Colton Vasek from Austin, Texas, when he flipped to Texas. Uh, Taylor Wine was offered the next day, and all it took was getting him in town for the Bedlam game and impressing him. Uh, if you if you follow recruiting, you follow the, the the guys, the reporters who do recruiting for a living specifically. You know that Taylor Wine is probably un- severely, possibly severely undervalued as a three star. They expect him to be elevated to a four star very very quickly. Colton Vasek, of course, was a four star that a lot of people thought played like a five star. So um, that's you know if if uh, Taylor Wine gets his fourth star, I think that'll be something that helps satisfy. You know, losing Vasek uh, yeah. and, and getting uh, the people interested in in that position, OU, the way OU has recruited that position and kind of made up for that loss. Yeah, for sure. Every, everything you said, who totally agree with, and he just seems like a guy to, to be a candidate of get on campus, immediately start the process of getting stronger, and then based off of if they're going to kind of play him a little bit slower, like you've seen with a, com- a couple of the freshmen, he'll have time to dictate what role they want to try and use him in in this defense, and that'll dictate whether they're trying to put 15 pounds on him, 30 pounds on him, all that stuff. So you know that Jerry Schmidt will have a plan, be working really closely with Brent Venables to, to get the best out of him because, like you said, Josh, just he's explosive. He he flies off yeah. the tape as like a guy like, oh, yeah, you don't you don't need to put the ring around um, who you're looking at here because he's the guy that that's just – moving bodies and running people down left, right, and center What when you watch his highlight tape. Yep, so already two commits from that big Bedlam weekend. More are expected, so keep up with us at allsooners.com uh, for the latest on that front. Signing day less than a month away. Uh, that'll probably be the next time we have a press conference at the stadium um, for uh, with Brent Venables as uh, December 21st, whenever these guys will officially sign for the early period to get to be there in uh, spring ball. Um, from future Sooners to former ones in the NFL ranks, the big winner of the weekend was Samaj P. Ryan. Joe Mixon goes down. P. Ryan steps in. How crazy is this for the Bengals that Joe Mixon goes for five touchdowns? They have a bye week. They come back from the bye. Joe Mixon gets hurt, and Samaj P. Ryan 
catches three touchdowns. That's insane. They're just the all OU backfield. Um, good for Samaje. I mean, a guy who people weren't sure what kind of NFL career he would have, and he's latched on with the Bengals as Mixon's number two there, and that's it's working, um, working very, very well. So he's the big winner of the weekend. Anything else that stuck out to you from guys from uh, NFL Sooners over the weekend? How about Jalen Hurts? We talk about him every week, but this time 17-16 I think was the final score. Yeah. He goes into the end zone on a rushing touchdown, leads his team down the field. You're seeing – uh, you're seeing a, a grasp of the offense. Okay, you're seeing uh, a rapport with the receiving core and the offensive line. Okay, he's got a great offensive line, good receiving cores, but but he has a um, he has a command of that offense that's pretty rare. Now you're seeing him execute in two minute offense, game winning drives, clutch plays. It's like, uh, is there anything this kid can't do? He's uh, he's really having an MVP yeah. type season. Yeah, Hurts with and two in a bounce back spot after the the game against Washington, and then I mean, CD's Cowboys beating Minnesota so bad that they had to take that game off of national TV when it when it wasn't zoned specifically Nuts. for uh, the, the Dallas market. That's always going to be good news as Dak and and CD Lamb get back on track there as well. Uh, and and I'm with you, Josh. I was surprised to see. Of all the OU running backs that have come out of the NFL in the NFL draft and done well, Samaje Pirine is the one that catches three touchdown passes. Where did that come from? Yeah, it's obviously it's been the situation for a few seasons now, but it's still just amazing that they have Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine as their number one and number two. And uh, Bengals look looking good. I'll say Super Bowl run last year, and uh, kind of starting to find it a little bit right now. We'll see if they can do another run like that for uh, those former Sooners running backs trying to get get themselves a championship this year uh, with Cincinnati shifting over to basketball to wrap up here. And we'll send you on your Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, the men squeaked out another win uh, last week, another close call, another nail biter, but they did win against South Alabama last Friday to get to three and one, three straight wins after that debacle of the opener against Sam Houston. They're now in Florida, getting ready to play in the ESPN events invitational starting on Thanksgiving uh, four o'clock tip tomorrow um, against Nebraska. So we'll see what they can do. Another close win. I feel like we're going to learn a lot more about them this week, um, playing some not top of the line competition, but power five teams at least in a neutral setting, multiple games, three games in four days. We're going to have a much better idea if, if this team is is uh, capable of, of doing bigger things than last year or if it's, you know, maybe they need to have some more work to do. We'll, we'll find out more here very, very soon. OU Nebraska on Thanksgiving Day. What more does Sooner Nation want, right? <laughs> Maybe Wrong not. sport. Wrong sport. Um, so I asked uh, Porter Moser uh, earlier in the week about chemistry and how important chemistry was to this team and you know what he's trying to do. Chemistry is a lot easier to build, he said, when you win those games, those close games, than it is if you lose those close games. So uh, they're they're they've got some things fixed. They've got some chemistry going. Listen, my prediction for this basketball team for this season, they will go as far as Grant Sherfield takes them. He's a he's a great talent. I love watching him play. Yeah, I think that they also need Joe Bamisil and Milo Suzan to keep coming on strong as a couple of guys off the bench because the way that this lineup is constructed, there's going to be nights where the starters aren't getting it done just because of. Uh, people trying to attack the the Groves Bros and Jalen Hill. There, there are going to be some mismatches in the Big Twelve with with size and things like that. That 
you know that, right? Going in with, with kind of an undersized front court like that. So it'll be interesting to see if Uzan and Bamisil can continue to take those steps forward, if Bamisil can continue to get Moser's trust defensively, and then Uzan just as a freshman coming in. If those guys can continue to come along. That's going to give Oklahoma a lot more options and a lot more ways to get to the rim, score points. Otherwise, I think once you start to get into the meat grinder of the Big 12, it's going to be a, does their opponent get to 60? Yes, that's probably a loss for the Sooners. Yeah, and the women are the complete opposite of that, um, as we'll shift over to them to wrap up. So they lost last week to Utah, and they lost big. They gave up 124 points to the Utes out there. Now, this was on a back-to-back. We talked about it last week. You don't play back-to-backs very often, especially on the road like that in elevation. And Utah's good. I mean, they're in the top 25. They lost big. We talked about it last year. They're The way they play is prone for this to happen. They happened a couple times last year. Obviously, the NCAA tournament, Notre Dame beat them by a, a million. Happened a couple other times over the course of the season. They've since bounced back with two wins against UT Arlington and Arkansas State. But I was texting with Ryan last night. I couldn't believe that they dropped them out of the top 25. From 16 all the way to unranked after beating BYU, who's good, losing big to Utah on the road on a back-to-back, and then beating UT Arlington. And they went from 16 to unranked. That's mm. nuts to me. But whatever. I mean, it's early in the season still. 5-1. and one, But uh, a little disappointing, I think, to have people kind of give up on them, I think, this early after yeah. after that big loss. I think the women's poll is a little more volatile than the men's poll because not Seems as many that people way. follow it or uh, maybe maybe the people who do follow it are just – there's just not as many of them. Um, but, yeah, beating BYU the night before, and then you knew that it was going to be a tough ask to, to, to do that, to right. come back and play in that elevation in Salt Lake City against a top 25 team. That was that was too much to ask, and frankly, how how good we have to ask. I mean, how, how, the Oklahoma basketball team is good. How good are they? Elite good? I think we found out in the Big Twelve tournament last year. Not really. NCAA tournament last year. Not really. And it's the same players. All the same players are back. So um, that's something that um, there. Yeah, and you don't want to be out of the polls this early because in a sport that's not all that visible, like women's basketball. It's getting more visible, but it's still right now. It's still gaining traction, you could say. Um, you don't want to be out of the polls early because it's going to be tough to get back in. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a difference between it's tough night two of a back-to-back in the elevation to go back and play well. No top 25 team should lose any game by 46 points. Yeah, It shouldn't happen. And I get sure. that that's your styles, that once you start shooting, if it's not going well, the other team's going to cash in, all that stuff. Okay, well, they need to have a plan B, and you might not win on the plan B, but you need to have a plan B where you're not losing by 46 points because the game against Baylor was not 40 points in the Big 12 tournament, but it was not close. There was not a moment after halftime where you felt like Oklahoma was going to even hang around in that game. And then the Notre Dame game, it felt like you took all this goodwill of hosting in year one of Judy Baranchek, the NCAA tournament, and it all just slipped away because it was such a huge loss. Got to find a way to say, okay, you're not shooting very well. Where's another way that you can yeah. come back and win? That's what the great teams can do as opposed to just being a really fun, good team. You guys remember that Kansas State game last year where they lost by 50 and Ioka Lee, is that her name correctly? She scored yeah. like 70 points or whatever it was. 
it, it, it the way they play. It, it it happened a couple times last year, and you've already seen it once this year. Just kind of their style, like Ryan said, you got to find a way to not have that happen because <laughs> this has happened a few times under Jenny Bronchek, who's been great, and they, that program's gotten way better since she took over. But some really just ugly, ugly losses, losing by 40, 50 points. I mean, come on, you can't you can't have that on a regular basis. Um, they play Wednesday against Northwestern State back at home. Uh, next time they get back to action. All right, that's it for us. Um, everybody have a good Thanksgiving. We'll be in Lubbock this weekend. Looking forward uh, to that, wrapping up the regular season, which is uh, insane, like we said earlier, finishing up this uh, season. We'll be down there, so be sure to catch all our content, allsooners.com, leading up to the start of that game on Saturday night. And then we'll be – that might be a car pod situation. We'll find out. Uh, it's going to be a late night in Lubbock, but we'll uh, evaluate – late Saturday night. Um, either way, though, you can catch the post-game show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. If you have an Amazon-able device, just say Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. Also post it on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. You can watch the shows on Who's YouTube page, John Hoover Media. That's it for now. We'll see you on Saturday from Lubbock, Brian Chapman, and John Hoover. I'm Josh Callow. We'll catch you guys next time.